on the wall. Who's the messiest of them all? Is it me, Nunu Paris, or our very special guest? DC Homos. Um, or AKA Jose Romero, who is an iconic uh, law paralegal in DC as well. IT for a large law firm. IT. <laughs> you cannot represent us in court though, officially, right? No. Uh, you really do give hard legal energy, like law and order energy. Well, I do a lot of uh, trial support. So two to three months out of the year, I actually travel and support large trials. Whenever there's enough, when it when the number gets high enough, millions, billions, then that's when I get Casey Anthony. There. She covers these budgets. I'm just saying we travel, I know. <laughs> anyway. Uh, my name is Rafi. Exactly. But yeah. we are here at the house of Showfields in Georgetown on M Street, if you want to be specific. One of the many locations across our country, or maybe just one other one. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> You're in New York. You're in New York. Miami. Miami. Chicago. There's okay. five or six. There we go. We were Showfields enthusiasts. <laughs> no. <laughs> Uh, Jose was literally walking around shopping while we were setting up. She already has a whole like cute, cute. I've already started scanning little things because so. this store is fierce. It has yes. so many in it. It's not only jewelry, clothes, water, liquid death, mountain water. They have everything Art. here. Mm -hmm. I saw a bathtub. I don't know if it's for sale. About we're forgetting in. <laughs> we're forgetting in. Oh, oh, oh. So we're excited to kick off 2023 with our first guest. You know, we like to have live podcasts every now and then. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and DC Homos has been supportive, hilarious, and just been an all-around good time for us since we started this, this journey. We really are grateful because... Thank you. Thank you. You guys have an amazing platform, and I appreciate that you're willing to take the risk and speak out on issues that are important to the community where... Um, a lot of people don't have the courage. It's hard to speak up, even for someone who's been advocating for a long time. When you're put in situations, it's not the easiest thing to stand up. You lots of times have a lot to lose. Absolutely. 100%. We, I feel like we echo a lot of the things that we say about D.C., and um, people are under the impression that you are under uh, anonymous kind of uh, bill, right, but like you I thought really that too. Open. I remember first really meeting. I was like, "Oh my god!" Right. Like I mean, even, even as early as I think 2015, 2016, there was a profile about me in the Washington Blade right. photo shoot. Everything. I'm at all the events that I post True. about. Just about. If you got any beef with me, you know where to find me. <laughs> Catch him outside. <laughs> <laughs> that geotag is always on on Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> It's true. I mean, I we kind of understand. Well, not you. You don't understand an anonymity because you're always you out there. Yeah. I hide. Attention whore. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you what I'm looking for. And it does take bravery because like when we learn getting into this industry business, being social media people, you know, when you put your face out there and you start saying these opinions, like people will come at you and you have to really have that tough skin. Yeah. Where did you develop that, that courage that you spoke of earlier? I think, I think at one point you just have to realize what's important to you, what you want to advocate for, um, things like justice, racial justice, um, and not back down, you know. Uh, lots of times bullies are all bark, no bite. Mm -hmm. If you bark back or if you bite back, they will, they will back down. Absolutely. So how much have you had to bark versus bite here in this D.C. queer Ooh. It, it ebbs and you know goes up and down. Um, this last DC council primary was definitely a lot of a lot of biting, a lot of fighting back. Um, you know, especially that ward, that infamous ward one race. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was a 
a, a lot of barking, a lot of biting, um, definitely pissed off a lot of allegedly very liberal gays in DC. No. <laughs> I think there is a, a definite line but I, where... Yeah, but I knew, I knew I was on the right side. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So, yeah. I and the voters proved it. I definitely think there's a line uh, where people think that liberal, liberal, being liberal also means like you're progressive, and I think those are two different things. Yes. Exactly. I think there's definitely... The new fiscal conservative is liberal, like at points can be liberal at this point, um, with certain social views. But fiscally, and thinking about the economy and how people live, it is very still conservative. And I think people, that's where, that that um, race really showed the difference between a progressive and a liberal. In yes, yes, definitely. I love all this politics talk from Mayor <laughs> Bowser impersonator extraordinaire. Oh my God, I did, a, I did a soul cycle class two days ago, and she literally announced me to the whole class. Said, she said, straight out the bat, this is the Meryl Bowser impersonator, and I gagged. And I, that gave me such a mirror to myself. <laughs> Have you ever thought about going to an event where she's at and uh, going as her? A publicity stunt? Yeah. A publicity stunt? <laughs> <laughs> I'm messy, but like, I don't want to be that messy. She messy. Um, a lot of the, the Capital Pride or just like queer events around D.C. I definitely that we can, would. Like, I definitely would show yeah. up at to Pride like her. I definitely think that's what yeah. we would do. And, and she'll a full suit be, in June? Yes. yes. I'll be doing drag. Yeah, that's essentially what we do. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. I want the fl- the float. It's just mirror about the float. I will be doing that. <laughs> All Good idea. I know, oh, but I'll be, I'll be doing the wig, but I'll be doing like a skimpy, like, cut outfit. Can't imagine. Can't imagine. She loves green, you know, team green. Who, she, she actually, that's your favorite color? Well, that's the, their, their campaign is team green. Oh. Green machine. Oh, because All their she, t-shirts money. are green. Because of money. Oh, Weed, grass, like, I don't know. Money. It's like the money. green juice, like getting money. healthy. We're 2023, we're feeling it. Yeah, uh, we're uh, sponsored by Tropicana today. We have lovely <laughs> mimosas. Thank you, Tropicana, for appreciating us. Exactly. Cheers. You cheers. Didn't cheers. Yes. Oh my God. You plastic cups and everything. Food. I love that. <laughs> no, weighted plastic cups. With weighted. Double red, you know. Oh my God, this smells like alcoholic. Mm. There's a surprise in there. There's <laughs> <laughs> a little palate cleanser. <laughs> for later. Now, I mean. you two love a brunch. Uh, we've actually you gone to brunch together. Yeah. And it was a quite a doozy. Yeah. Can we talk about that brunch? Wait, so, we went to two, I think. We went to On Brunch. On Brunch was, yeah, that and was And what was, the, was, was that the other one? We went to that little oh Mexican place on oh, the corner. Yeah, yeah. That, was, that was the food was good. That was not bottomless. But it's not there so. anymore. <sighs> it's Pitas, whatever his name is? Yeah, yeah. It's not there anymore. It closed oh, down. Okay. It's, it's now it's Ghost Burger. Mm. Yeah, it's like all pink. It has a cute aesthetic, but like they would place a speed down. Are you just scared about the, the service was bad? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but yeah, what, what what about brunch? Because brunch is a staple in, of course, like I feel like big city culture, yeah. especially DC. And when you are at brunch, you got messy. What happened? Um, we first of all, there was this cute. I still felt we still like interact sometimes on Instagram, but there was this cute. By like oh, celloist, yeah. I just saw him. Too. Carlos, yeah. you saw the person? Ooh. No, no. <laughs> Carlos. I was messaging him on Instagram. As, As we, we do. Nice. As we do. Yes. He knows us. Yes, he knows us well. He's so yes. cute, and he plays like the cello, which is makes it like hotter, right? Oh like, my god! So like, he plays his cello in like a speedo or a thong. So oh. I mean, it's just that's like my kind of sex. And the body's together. Mm-hmm. The body's together. Yes, Carlos. Cute was, face too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you all have the same type. Um, <laughs> uh, I wouldn't say that. <laughs> <laughs> we 
can appreciate the smooth body. We can, we can appreciate the talented. Yeah. Okay, yeah. general yeah. thing. Yeah. What else happened at this messy brunch? Um. Oh my god. There was one really nice uh, lawyer, and there was a really mean, bitchy, like just stripper guy. Are lawyers mean? You know the difference? No, the lawyer was nice. Oh, you and said the stripper was a bitch. Well, yeah. But the lawyer was also like being a go-go person. But he was very interactive and very like. Yeah, you know. yeah. The other one was like stuck in the scene. You know how the scene girls really think it's important. Like we had bills, we had lots of bills, and he just didn't. He just didn't come. He just didn't come over. I'm like, all right, I guess you ain't getting no bills. Okay, go go brunch. Yeah, it was a go go brunch. It was not a drag brunch. We need to do a drag brunch. It's great. It's it's. You are doing a drag brunch. Run around and do a number. Put some Gaga on, right? No, I and I love supporting like local queens. I know when I did my Pride party. Not this year. Last year, yeah. Um, hired a drag queen, mm-hmm. and then I had just like a small little get together, and I had Mari Concarne perform in mm. my living room. Like that's how I <laughs> met Mari Concarne. No, this is so iconic. Because, oh, is it? It yeah, is. That's yeah. Yes. And um, two See, years ago, that's when I first came out and dragged my first time was to your okay. brunch at your play. Oh, that was the first so time I was literally, drag, literally. Wow. Yeah. And now I'm here. So, so drag queens just really be blossoming in your living room. Yeah, Mari is. She has so much potential. Yes, like, yeah. She's, she's gonna. Change. She's not. She hasn't been doing it for that long time. She's. She's been a guest on our podcast. And yeah. luckily, you all get to see her on Saturday 11th <laughs> Upper West Saturday Side. 11th? Saturday the eleventh. Saturday the eleventh. Sure. Sure. Whatever. At Upper West Side Cafe for a gag party where you get to see us perform uh, for our. Heartbreaker event along with another amazing cast of drag artists. Yes. But yes, your support for drag community, um, especially drag queens of color, is very, yeah. very, very important because yeah. we don't get as many social media, I feel like, opportunities mm-hmm. um, and being visible. But you you built this brand. Now, were you always DC homos or did you inherit this? this? So, so initially, I, I have my personal... Uh, Twitter account and DC was very quick to adapt to Twitter and Foursquare and the early social media and I did you know went to a lot of events posted a lot of events didn't have a huge following and the Washington Post had done some like DC tweet up awards they did it for like two three years and somehow I got nominated for like social butterfly but I was up against like a former Miss DC no way I was gonna win but uh, it opened a lot of doors, you know, invited to a lot of party, met a lot of people. And I was like, all right, I need to separate this from, my, you know, from my personal stuff. Absolutely. And early on in Twitter, there was no search feature. You couldn't search for a word. You had to use a hashtag and you Take click on the back. hashtag. <laughs> Way back in the day, the young ones don't remember. <laughs> the oh, struggle God. was real. So you had to click on a hashtag, which is why they exist, and they would pull up. So there was a large group of friends of us in D.C., mm-hmm. gay, lesbians, straight women that hung out with us. And a friend of mine, Ryan, gets full credit, he created the, the hashtag DC homos. So when we ever tweeted something like, hey, I'm going to... Uh, you know, Trash. this bar, I'm not that old. I'm <laughs> <to> this bar. <laughs> I don't know that one. You, 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 you. <laughs> I was like, what are you talking about? You add, you add DC homos to all your tweets. So when you click on the DC homos hashtag, all okay. the tweets would come up. And then I was like, all right, let me, use, let me create an account and post about where we were going. And like the DC homos, if you were DC homos, you knew you were DC homos. It was a group of maybe... 20 to 25 people, oh, and we would roll deep. Like, we would a all queer roll, entourage, we, yes, yes. Okay, we're circles. We would, you know, <laughs> and then at the time, back to the topic of brunches, like 
bottomless brunches weren't a thing back in, in like uh, 2010, 2010. <laughs> um, and I started hosting, just inviting the DC homos to like small little brunches, you know, and it would, you know, most places could only see 10 people or so. And we would try not normal brunch places. We would go to like Cafe Atlantico by Jose Andres, Tabard Inn, mm-hmm. Art and Soul, like nice brunches. We would still get trashed, but... Um, and then the last one we did, I think we had close to 40 people. And it was right. at, at a hotel. That was, was bottomless. So it kind of grew and grew and grew. And then people just kind of went out, on, you know, on their way. People grow up and change and have yeah. their little circles. Um, and then the brunch scene picked up with all the bottomless brunches. Everyone's doing brunches. And lately, it's drag brunches. Like, everyone's doing Everybody drag brunches. They're jumping on. You're the reason for it. I got it. Yeah, so initially, Dissy Homos didn't have a lot of followers. Um, when I really started to gain followers was right before, as the marriage equality cases were moving up the, the ranks in the courts. I thought there was, like a, there was a need for people understanding what was happening. So I would post about different cases in different cities, and you know, different politicians would retweet and, yeah. and and at one point I think I was getting like a thousand followers a day like yeah. it was it was wild and um, you know once marriage equality happened just I felt I, I you know there's so many of these different internet blogs that have that are gay news but with so many throwaway stories so I kind of curated the best of what was important and and, and posted those and still do and I was, I'm surprised at the ignorance, I guess you could call it, or the, 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 the lack of access to information that people have. Like a year after marriage equality, I had a student from the University of Texas, like, okay, you're smart. And he DM'd me and he's like, is marriage equality legal in Texas? I'm like, because there were other cases going oh, well, up still. I'm like, the Supreme Court has ruled like, I don't yeah. think they're a foundation of government yeah. <laughs> <laughs> as, 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 as strong as, as the others, but yeah. Yeah, but it's evolved. Like, if you look back to my tweets from, like, 2012, it's like, I think I saw a funny one the other day. It's like, I'm going to this Labor Day brunch. Let me pick up some ketchup and lube. Like, it's really... <laughs> <laughs> that sounds very... Uh, I was putting, like, together. Yeah. <laughs> photos of hot guys, you know. So, it, it's kind of evolved. It can still be messier. So, so my format that I try to keep is during the day it's a little more serious events and yeah. news and in the evening and at night it's like let me tell after you. dark <laughs> I try to stay out of Twitter fights let's talk about <laughs> anal sex in the city and let's go back to that era of going to when you got to DC because you've lived in multiple cities before. yes yes um, and people always like leave because DC people find DC very transient because people leave after a certain amount of years because they want something different in a different city but comparing all the cities that you've lived in, where does because you've been in DC mm-hmm. very long? Yeah. Where do you where do you think DC fits, and do you think you found different? What what were the different experiences that you got from different cities? So I lived in Miami Beach, Miami Beach proper, like uh, ama- <laughs> amazing. Um, She's a zip code girl. Yeah. Yeah, okay. <laughs> and uh, the way I explain the difference between Miami Beach and DC is that the first question you get asked at a bar in Miami is what are you drinking? Yeah. And the first question you get asked in DC is who do you work for? What do you do? That's such a good way to put it. Everyone's trying to climb up the ladder. It's true. Everyone over there is just trying to like, I guess like... Party. Well, part of it is that people are on this vacation mode when they Mm -hmm. go to Miami. They don't want to talk about work. Yeah. Yeah. 
Even Not the people that work but live there, living there, do you see do you feel like the transience there is all people just coming to party in Miami? Like you just keep meeting people that So the in, the industry is different. Like the hospitality industry is what's mm-hmm. big in, mm-hmm. in Miami. So hotel and bar people and people that work for the cruise lines, which is different than like lobbyists and lawyers and accountants and all More the colorful there Deloitte, too. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, downtown, it's just, but whatever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> whatever. We love it. But it was culture shock, because I grew up in suburban Maryland. I went to the University of Maryland. Oh, Terps. And, you know, Terps. And, you know, my first language was Spanish, and I came to the U.S. from El Salvador when I was five. And right. to move to Miami, I'd never been around that many Latino people, especially Cubans with their accents. They get mm-hmm. really took a while to adjust and understand. Because like, right. they see me and they start talking Spanish to me and I'm like, mas despacio, por favor. <laughs> That's the first thing I learned in Spanish. Oh my God. And it wasn't just, it wasn't talking about talking. It was talking about uh, <laughs> Was it similar for you when you, uh, well, I know you were born here, but you did leave and then come back. Well, um, there was a moment for me where I, I think I learned English from my sister because she would speak to me in English and I had to speak Spanish to my parents. So I never... If I was first generation, like or second generation, like my nephew, I feel like that would be a different story. I think my right. Spanish would be even worse. But because I have foundational things in Spanish, I think it'll never leave me, hopefully. It's just gotten a little choppy. Yeah. Um, but when I went back to El Salvador for seven months, because um, mm-hmm. uh, things were going on, I came back. We, I didn't go to school for seven months, so I fell so behind uh, academically. Like, I forgot to spell my name when I got back. <laughs> It was funny. <laughs> it's like five I'm like, two of the same. I'm like, were, were you six or were you like 19? I was uh, third. Okay. <laughs> no, I was uh, second grade. I was second third grade. I was third grade. I felt third grade. Okay. So they took me away at third grade. So such a really critical year. It was a critical year for testing. Especially so, in the area you moved to. So that's when I was taken back to El Salvador. And that's where I spoke a lot of Spanish right. all the time. But I still spoke English to my sister. So it never left. And my internal dialogue was always Spanish. Or English, or English. Yeah, the same with me. And like I, I consider myself fluent in speaking with Spanish, understanding Spanish, but the grammar is a whole different level. Like at Maryland, I I was like, oh, let me take this Spanish for Spanish speakers class. Oh, that's like all conjugation. (laughs) Yeah. After the first day, I was like, switch classes. I don't know Spanish that well. I, I understand. I was an English major. I feel like it made me it was easy for me to learn the Spanish classes because I did a lot of Spanish classes growing up. But like, the grammar and like yeah. how to translate in real time, I'm like, yeah. like I like I know when it sounds right and when it yeah. sounds wrong, wrong, but I can't tell you why. We'd be adding G's to letters that don't have G's. It's really like it's really that. <laughs> but to me, I also think like when I'm speaking Spanish, I. I, it just doesn't feel natural. I feel like I have a different personality. I don't know about you. I've got to like think about it before I speak it. So that way it's not, it's Where, just not as seamless for yeah, you. Yeah. What my problem is in English is I don't think about it and I say it. <laughs> <laughs> no filter. Especially at work. <laughs> I want to know how was it for you kind of growing up knowing that you, your life was, I guess, kind of not antithetical to the American idea of the dream, mm-hmm. but like, especially after the last administration, I just feel like the way a lot of Americans view Latino people mm-hmm. were different, but like you're a person who came to America, you went to this really prestigious school, you are, are right, you work in the dream, you're in DC, you have all these things. Yeah. So what, what does that feel like for you in comparison to maybe the idea? 
So I left El Salvador because of the war. Right. And like my earliest memories like aren't of like happy Christmases. My parents left me in El Salvador when I was one mm-hmm. to come make a better life in the US. And I was there with my grandmother who was my life, rest her soul. Um, so as a child, kids are so resilient, right? Yeah. Like these kids that grow up in war have abusive dads or parents. Um, so I had a very normal childhood, I think, and it wasn't until I reached college that I started meeting completely different people from different parts of the country that I realized something was different. Like, my parents have been married. They've known each other since, like, junior high. Yeah. Junior high sweethearts. They're still in love with each other. They still do date nights. Oh. And then you get to, and then you get to college, and everyone, half the people there, their parents are divorced. Yeah. Like, Is that normal? Yeah. Like, yeah. Wow. Recently on the too, podcast, yeah. recently on the podcast, I told Nunu brought light to me that I was, she was like, "Do you think more kids experience single child family homes or united and or like duo parent homes?" I thought I, I thought it was two mm-hmm. because culturally we don't usually divorce, right? We don't usually do that. Yeah. So I think culturally, I still. Think of that as a core value for me. I think. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. Just working in education. And same thing for me. Like, my parents, until my father passed, you know, worked together for 30 mm-hmm. certain years. But, you know, working in education and going to high school and college, I was like, oh, I'm like the only one whose yeah. <laughs> parents were still t- together. So it, it was definitely a shock in that way, especially University of Maryland. Like, I went, you know, for my master's um, a few years ago. And even then, I felt like the culture was different than what I was used to in North Carolina, mm-hmm. which in my head I thought was more like, Diverse because yeah, it so, became very. I became very aware of classism, socioeconomic issues, and just like kind of where I stood in the world is when I moved up here. That's when I finally realized it. Yeah. So I went dating myself. I went to Maryland from '96 to 2000, and the my pre 11 Yes. That'd so have been interesting to be in my my freshman dorm. I think had like 800 people at Cumberland Hall. I there still were, got Cumberland Hall. Oh my God! There were two, he showed me. He showed me pictures. Yes. Yeah, oh there, there, there were two Latino people in our entire out of those eight hundred people. I believe it. On campus, two of us were Latino. So it, it. At the time, I felt I didn't really feel like I was a, the only person, like the only Latino person mm-hmm. in the room. It wasn't later in life, and, and Miami also shielded me from that. It wasn't until I came to. DC, where I was like, okay, there are no Latinos here. There's lots of African Americans, lots of white, lots of Asian, but especially in the legal setting, there are oh, no yeah. Latino, especially yeah. Latino men. Yeah. Was their experience? So when they, when the population increased in the area, how did it? How did you respond? Did you feel more comfortable? Because when I came up here, it, to me, it was a, a lot of diverse cultures. The schools yeah. I worked with, the internship were. Predominantly uh, Latino, Spanish speaking. So mm-hmm. when I came up here, I was like, okay, it's like super diverse. Yeah. So I grew up in Gaithersburg, and at the time, it was not. not loco. Okay. There was one Tienda Latina, one little Latino store in all of Gaithersburg, and that was it. There were no, and it, it started to change, I think, my senior year. Because some other bitch had the same name as me, and he wouldn't return his library books. Another Jose. And they wouldn't give Jose him his report. Jose same like name. Yeah. Oh, period. Oh wow. Oh, and gosh. my parents are like, why? Why? You know, why is this class failing you? I'm like, that's not me. That's the other. Jose. <laughs> 
but it has changed a lot. So when did the influx of Salvadorian people come to DC? Was that during your era? Because of the war. Because of the war. Because of the war. Yes. And new people here. Yeah. I feel like a lot of people don't understand the context of the war. Because my parents went to New York. Right. And when I was in high school, we had, um, I remember, because I was in predominantly black schools. I'm from North Carolina. And Mm -hmm. then when I went to high school, it was more diverse, especially speaking of the Latino population. And that's when I learned about all the war. I had classmates coming, you know, over in ships and on doors and very, very intense things that we talked about in class. We were a small school, so we could be able to, Mm. (laughs) like 60 of us in the whole (laughs) graduate class. But, like, I kind of opened my eyes up to that. But... For the context, the war in South Salvador was from what period till? It was during the 80s. So I think it's, it started, I think, late 70s, mm-hmm. and then it got bad towards the mid-80s. So um, I was born came. in 78 mm-hmm. in the middle of the war. My parents left in 79. And by 82, 83, I think that incident where they murdered the nuns started Damn. happening. Mm. Um, like my earliest memories are like, being woken up by my grandmother and having to hide under my bed. We always kept our windows shut because the soldiers walking around. And to me, that was normal. Like, I don't remember having a bad childhood. I had a great childhood, you know, and, and kids tend to normalize things because they mm-hmm. don't know anything else. To this day, my mom sees her, like, blackout curtains. Yeah. She don't fuck with it. And, like, just I think, just think, and I just think, like, they're, I, but, like, compared to our parents, mm-hmm. And you, you you process the war at such a young age. What are the differences, in tr- like in the, in the in the reactions and like the experiences that you feel like you had? So were you so just like living in it, and you didn't know what the heck was going on while they were processing as adults, like have to protect. Gotta protect you, yeah. You know, yeah, yeah, and and even like we had to <laughs> we had to flee El Salvador and get out of the country and then go into Mexico and then into the U.S. Oh. So. Mm-hmm. Fleeing El Salvador was a whole thing. Like, I remember we had to take a small little... And my parents, were, you know, their family were landowners. They were well okay. off. They lost a lot of the land during the war. But, you know, part of the trip was on a small little Cessna plane. And then we got into Mexico. And I remember Mexico City, like, the first time I've ever been in, like, a huge city. Because mm. we're from this small little coastal town, mm-hmm. big buildings. And then we had to get across the border into the U.S., and it was in the middle of the night, and it was on like motorbikes. And as a kid, I remember my grandmother on the back of the motor, and I thought it was hilarious. Look at my grandma on this <laughs> <Yeah>. motorbike. <laughs> for for me, it was an adventure, yeah. you know. Wow. And then once we came here, we went to LA, and then flew to Dulles, and I met my parents mm-hmm. again. And then I had a little brother by then. Mm-hmm. You had a brother when you came back? Yeah. Was that weird for you to have to just become a... Because you were our only child before? Yeah, yeah. And we know the Salvadorians love just introducing siblings to us. (laughs) (laughs) By surprise. And he's gay also. Oh. And then... Just in the genes. So it's four of us in my family. The two olders are brothers and then my two sisters. Three out of four are queer. So I'm wow. waiting in for the Latin family, that's like that's a lot. I want to see. <laughs> I feel like any person in the POC family, I'm yeah. like, it'd be a lot for yeah. Yeah. three in a row. And then my other sister, eh, we waiting. We were waiting. <laughs> <laughs> you never know. Um, so you talked about owning land in El Salvador. Yeah. I just have to ask: Did your family ever fight over the terrenos in El Salvador? <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, it happens because uh, this is such a trope. So I grew up right. with with all my three grandparents, with three of my four grandparents. My dad's dad passed away when I was like one, so yeah. I never knew them. But my three other grandparents, up until I think four years ago, they were all alive, and then sadly, in one year, they all went, mm-hmm. which is very sad. My grandmother, my mom's mom went first, which sucked because I wanted her to outlast all the other mm-hmm. ones. Are my parents watching? No. <laughs> <laughs> but she's the we one. All our favorites. We'll yeah. your she's the out. one that she's the one that raised me and she well, she was a very, yeah. very strong willed she always fought with my grandpa. She kept her last name. She and for for that to happen in the fifties, mm-hmm. sixties in Latino, like not to give you know, you're married you and keep your yeah, so all her kids had her last name. Period. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. So for you, coming back to now we're here. Um, so you got here and you had to navigate also being queer, and you were the first to come out, or how was it? So for you? I, I never really had this big like, hey, mom and dad, I'm I'm out moment. I think when um, I finished school, and I had a friend call me up someone that I had met on AOL online. <laughs> you got mail. And they were like, what are you doing next week? I'm like, I don't know. I'm just working. At the time, I was teaching ballroom dance at a, a studio. Teaching? And so you're a dancer. I, many ages ago, I used, okay. to, I used to compete for the University of Maryland. Period. To travel. And She's living life. Let me tell you. No, yeah. I've learned so <laughs> Yeah. She could so break down in the I can room. salsa still. I got moves. <laughs> okay. <laughs> We'll see you at Gag. (laughs) So my friend called, what are you doing? He's like, let's move to Miami. And I was like, okay. Packed up a suitcase, literally a suitcase, pillow, and like 300 bucks. No place to live. No friends. No job. And we moved to Miami. The Pisces in and he had he had had (laughs) a, a, a room connection for us to share a room at someone's apartment. Two weeks later, he's like, I hate it here. I'm moving back. And you stayed. And I stayed, and I Miami's not for everyone. Oh no! And I, I never any major city. I feel like you have to yeah. really. For me, it would be I think too dangerous. But you, I feel like you have fun. You party all the time when you're yeah, young. When you're young, too, yeah, it's that's something that you want to do when you're young. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and in the back of my head, I knew my parents would always like support me. I could always right. come back, yeah. but I was very stubborn, so I like would not take any money from my parents. I was dirt poor for weeks. I was. Donating blood to get money, lying. Be in college, yes. And eating nothing. Eating. <laughs> the girl, I would ask anything <laughs> till this day. Eating, no, eating nothing but like spaghetti with butter and parmesan, like like for like weeks, like. No, because and that's reality, what you had to do. You the reality know, is, like, when, you're, you, when you wait for that first paycheck. Like, mm-hmm. oh my God. The reality yeah. is, when you're Latino or like in our culture, I feel like you always like end up having to give back. You have to, like, if you are successful, that means the family's definitely going to be successful because you got to, like, take on. So I've never, my parents don't really, they, they don't pay for anything. They don't, you know what I'm saying? They will, now they give me Christmas presents because I brought it up. I was like, I still want Christmas presents. <laughs> okay, you were friends with me. Yeah, literally, I was like, my friends getting Christmas presents. So he's like, they were like, no, we can't compare, though. We, we can't compare. Yeah. So they were like, we're stepping up, they're stepping up their game now. Yes. I feel like my mom goes the opposite way. I'm like, just give me underwear. Like, I don't want a big face. I don't want anything. That's what I do. I'm like, give me socks. Or give, give me, me things can- I need in my candles, house. That's what I care candles, about. Like towels, at this point, yeah. literally, I'm like, those are what I need. Yeah. <laughs> I don't need anything. But, but my mom is a, a big princess. She's the youngest of, I think, eight and the only girl. So, oh, so she is. So my grandmother wanted a girl, and she was going to keep popping them babies out until she got a girl. So. 
You have a lot. You have a big family. It is. I remember um, when my big fat Greek wedding came out. There's a scene where she's like, "I have 50 first cousins," and I'm like, "Well, that's not a lot. Like, I have more than that." Here it is. I don't know. It's so essential. Sometimes I still see cousins, and I'm like, "Wow, you're like, I have never." met And you now before. the cousins are so first cousins. I met one of my first cousins. I went. I met one of my first cousins for the first time at the age of like 25, and he's hot. And I was like. And I was like, oh, he's I my think, cousin. I think I might have, like, I'm, I'm stretching yeah. the number here, like, six. Oh, wow. Like, I'm really stretching the number. On both sides, eight, probably. Yeah, you don't have a big family. Right? No, <laughs> I'm but, only child. But then now the cousins are having kids, and it's like... Yeah, yeah, even you, bigger now. I was like, whose child is this? Who do you belong to? Yeah. But, like, do you feel like, has your family stayed united, or are there elements from, like, you know, coming DC United? Here? <laughs> um, that you know, because I feel like my family is very like I don't want to say broken, but we're not united in that form. Like we do not party all when we're we could be miles from each other, but we're, for Christmas we're gonna be at our house, they're gonna be at their house, they're gonna be at that house. We're very close as a whole, like the, like all a hundred cousins. So like the original, the the big events would always be Mother's Day because I had my two grandmothers, and okay. we would have huge part. Everyone would show up, you know. Um, but now that they're gone, it, it's you know they for, form your little cliques. Like my, mm-hmm. they all talk to each other. They're all no one hates each other. There's no but, big group chat though. But it's a lot of effort now. <laughs> no, it's a lot of effort because that lot. Li- my dad's family lives in Virginia and Maryland and D.C. And then my mom's family is in New York and New Jersey. Mm-hmm. And they probably in the, yeah. yeah. That makes sense. That makes yeah. sense. Yeah. But as a kid, I used to go to. Um, Washington Heights, like every summer, and hang out with my grandmother and grandfather, which has so many great memories of like sitting on the stairs, like growing up like in New York. And I think last year I went back and I was in Washington Heights, and I was like, this looks so familiar. And I went and I found like my grandpa's old apartment oh, building, oh, which was incredible. Like, still up there. Very much still there. Nostalgia. Not as gentrified, but yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> hopefully so it won't get. Hopefully it won't. So when get y'all saw Into the Heights, it didn't feel like Washington Heights, though. No. <laughs> we watched it together, though, but we still we yeah. both cried. cried at the end. We both cried yeah. at the. But since they is the, I mean, that's, we both that's cried. it. Yeah. But we met actually. I cried to that song so many times because uh, we we met because of a common enemy. And Which one? Wait, so I actually, I actually don't know how you met. I remember several. we kind of just were on our little Instagram yeah. thing, and then we just to kinda... transition into gay. Bars. Was it the TikTok? It was a gossip boy. It was about what? gossip boy. But it was also about the whole um, baseball bar. Um, oh yeah, ah. yes. <laughs> and. The we, one that rhymes with smelly. Smelly. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> uh, no, this one's uh, itchers. Not oh, catchers. that one too. Yes. Um, but, um But <laughs> it. Uh, but there was a meme <gasps> oh, going around, yeah. and I feel like I, I reached out to. You, I was like, "Oh shit!" Like, there's a meme going around because of blank bazooza. Um, and bazooka bubblegum. <laughs> bazooka <laughs> bubblegum. <laughs> and we. We've we've pretty much stayed unanimous on like we just don't go to bars like certain bars in DC, and if you had it your way, marry fuck kill, and brings back. Okay. Which okay so marry fuck kill the bars. There's only one answer to bring and back. Then <laughs> I'm sorry. The other one. Well, which one would you bring back? And so this is a DC queer bar. So marry. Yes. I would marry. You know, um, Dick Bar. 
Okay, AKA, yes. I think the official name is Windows, a.k.a. Widows. So I'm going to get in that will. <laughs> yes. On a Monday night, that's what you can see, honey. Uh, <laughs> fuck. That's open now. As you are, I think. Okay. As you are. I'm going to try something different. Yeah. Or Green Lantern if I want to be kinky. Well, I would say that's fuck. You said fuck? Yeah. So you would fuck as you are bar not marry though? No. You're <laughs> still new. You don't, you don't <laughs> even commit to that. Like, I love booze, but like, I'm gay. Yeah. I love breasts. Big breasts. Yeah. Same. <laughs> and kill... That's a hard one. That's the hardest one. Well, wow. Nelly's is dead, so I'd probably kill pictures. Okay. <laughs> yeah, pictures done. And then, which one would you bring back? Um, ooh. There's only one good answer. Town. Yes. Town. Yeah, I miss Town. I mean, Town was also great, but it also provided us a, a space for venues and yes. nonprofits. It was the large. Things. Yes. On the week, you know, the weekdays, the good country location. line dancing. Good. Good. Yeah, and when it, when it closed... A, a lot of organizations lost space that they yeah. that they held events in, and some mm. of it moved to the Eagle, and then the Eagle sadly yeah. went away. Yeah. Like Cobalt went away. Those, Cobalt, between Cobalt, between oh, those three, we went on the last night of Cobalt, and then yeah. they trailers, and we still shocked. I'll never forget. Did we go to the last night? I was because my friend came out for her birthday in March, and we were like, we're gonna go out. We went to Cobalt. And, I feel like that one was, and that was the last time. And then the next day, it was like closed. And they yeah. haven't even opened anything on the block. Well, that's going to be um, condos. When? It's going to be condos. I, I, I was driving by a couple months ago, and they were building out condos. I was probably like 15, 20. 20 minutes um, Yeah, Cobalt was great. You know, they had a, a great mix of music, the club stuff. I know. I liked how they started with the early, like, 80s old school songs and then progressed to the newer on the middle mm-hmm. floor. We used to go Latin nights. Back in the, the day, Latin we used to really go. Latin nights in town were really fun. And I just miss going to town and really feeling like you could, you would not run into somebody. Mm-hmm. Like, you really, like, you could just get lost in there. And I, That's I mean, so there, big. there were certain moments where I, I mean, towards my later, like, when, during the later years of town, I was not going as much anymore, but it was still that spot you would go and yeah. last and we whim of the night. People. And we met people, you know, you get yeah. to see Tatiana and Banaka, rest in peace, I gotta um, say it. Um, Frankie Grande. Yeah, you met Frankie Grande, Candy Muse, uh, you met so many people. Shea, Shea 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 Shea, you met, yeah, a lot of people. Fifi, oh yeah, we saw, you remember we saw Fifi yeah. there? All these times, anyway. <laughs> I hosted a, an underwear contest. Uh, I was a judge for Team DC Sports. Okay. Why do you do that again? So Tatiana was a judge, one of the real hosts of, of DC. Mary Ammons was a judge. Oh my God, I'm McLean. to go back. She's from McLean. Hi, McLean. <laughs> not, I don't think the pandemic was fortunate, but I do think it kind of reset the things in DC culture. What, what, what did you notice about the reset once we kind of got back? Because spaces started opening, new bar, everything kind of Yeah, just... so I think when places closed, it really gave power to problematic spaces. Oh. Like, I don't judge I don't judge people who perform at the, like, you know, you got to make your coins. You got to survive. That's true. We say the same thing. So if you're performing at, at pictures, you know, it, you got to do what you got to do. Like, you got to survive. And I, and know, I know those queens. I know survival. Um, or people that go there um, because there aren't any other spaces. So it's great to see, like, As You Are and Kiki. Um, Little Gay Pub is opening up. There's is that the one on... Who's that one? That's what um, Dusty, that's Dusty Yeah, I guess I was thinking. Yes. Martinez and Dito. That's what I was thinking. 
And I don't know the other person, but they're, they're opening a little bar right yeah. down the street. Yeah, so there's uh, lots of excitement like about that. They're putting a lot of, like, they're chronicling uh, the process on their Instagram. They're mm-hmm. putting a lot of attention to small little details, which yeah. I love. Yeah. Right. I mean, what makes a queer space good for you? Like, safe, fun, all that. Like, what makes it the best? So to me, the music is probably one of the most important things. It needs to be good music. Like, if the music sucks, I'm not going to be feeling it. Um, the drinks have to be reasonably priced. I think they have to be accessible to everyone. Like when you What's get a reasonable price? Because I remember when I first came to BC, and I was like, six or seven dollars. Six or seven dollars. Yeah. Yeah. I remember yeah. we were paying like fifteen, eighteen dollars for like Long Island yeah. when I came out. And I was like, because you because you exclude Long a lot of people in the community and so many queer people, especially trans people who yes. have trouble finding yes. work. It's tough for them to pay that, you know, mm-hmm. and and they deserve to have fun just and, like everyone yes. else. Yes, and I have seen th- I have seen this in bars where like they will give free drinks out to other white twinks in the bar that they want to like fuck, but then to other queer performers of color, they'll be like, oh, you have to pay for that, and they're performing at the bar that night, and that's what's crazy to me in these spaces is like those kinds of juxtaposition is like a lot of these spaces are not the spaces for the people that they're putting on their flyers. Either. Yeah. And that's what's unfortunate. So I'm hoping that these new bars that come, it's, it seems like as you are, has been stepping up to the place. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So we can only see the improvements in like little gay pub or, or gay little pub. The little little, little gay, gay pub. pub. Little yeah. Gay pub. Yeah. I can't wait. So that's where new will be performing soon. <laughs> Don't you? That's how you performing. It might be little. I haven't seen how big the space is. So. Hopefully, it's bigger than. Well, we know Dusty. <laughs> <laughs> In many ways. Is he the next guest on the podcast? <laughs> we have a that's that's going to have to be on OnlyFans. <laughs> Messi. Who is the messiest of them all? DC homos. I mean, no. that's what his followers want to see. So where did you develop? I just want to know, just for my personal reasons. Where did you develop this sense of, like, wanting to have fun with people? Because, like, when I think of you, I think of, like, you curating events, inviting a lot of people, providing that, that space, which people just mm-hmm. don't do. You know, people just don't go out of their way to, to make yeah. sure all the people have fun. And you, you really do. I think I'm not an indecisive person. I like to make a decision. It needs to be made. Like, let's do it. Let's stick to it. Don't bail out. And... A lot of people, I don't know if it's just me, a lot of my friends were just indecisive. And I remember going to a movie with like a group of 70 friends in Miami years ago, and we all leave the movie theater, and we're standing outside the movie theater, and they're all looking at me. And they're like, why is everyone looking at me? They're like, you're the team leader, what are we doing next? I'm like, I'm not a team, <laughs> I'll make a decision if no one wants to make a decision. I just think it's because you're Pisces. My Pisces friends do that all the time. Like you're like, but you, you're the one that makes the, the plan. Something about them, no one has to like put together yeah. the events and be like, this is how it's gonna be. And I'm like, you do it. You're you're the situation. And you also want to be like a, a people pleaser. That that used to be mm-hmm. my thing, and it, it's not a good thing because you need to learn that you will never make everyone happy at all. Especially that's one thing social media media taught me. Like you could you could have found a unicorn with a rainbow kitten writing on top of it and a bag of coin and a leprechaun and someone would be like, why is the leprechaun wearing a hat? <laughs> literally, yeah, like, literally. You, you will get criticized over everything. You can't take any of that seriously or to heart. Mm-hmm. Where's the wisdom? I hope y'all listen um, So me and DC almost had a night out recently where we talked and like chit-chatted and gossiped about you know, the DC scene. And I wanted to quiz Nunu on... How much she knows about DC gay bars? Just DC, DC in general. DC in general. 
Um, and we're just gonna give you a quick run. Because I don't it. live in DC. Um, yeah, that's yeah, true. That's true. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. Y'all don't <laughs> consider downtown Silver Spring not even a mile, like just a, a look at the DC line. You'll consider that DC proper. Adjacent. It's DMV if the metro goes there. <laughs> yes, <laughs> just accept that. I mean, I don't know about Herndon and Ashburn. We might have to read. Yeah, I just some feel lines. like downtown just gives like suburb of DC and then the rest of Silver Spring. Yeah, it is a su- you said it. It's a suburb of DC. It's just yeah. DC. No, we're on DC power lines. You don't have to be everything. Like, no, I don't. I don't. Yeah. Anyway, DC. This stuff that happened okay, in DC. So you already failed the first question. Is Dallas Silver Spring a thing about DC? No. Um, which former DC gay bar was owned by a famous or no a general manager? It was a general manager. Who was a general a manager? manager? Who was a general manager of the formerly popular bar, Bebop Bar? B bar. <laughs> Wait, B bar. B bar. Okay, and someone was a manager. Yes, yeah, so I'm gonna give you. And who's this Three person? tiers. I'm gonna give you three tiers. Okay, three like options to choose from. Was it Max Connor? Okay. Billy Santano. So all porn stars. Okay. Rocco Steele. You know, I, I remember coming to DC and were you working at Vita and you always talking about Rocco Steele. He's really nice. Um, which means I guess he wouldn't be doing that. Um, Max Connor. No, he's like over there and he wears like turtlenecks. Sorry, he just. I don't know. He doesn't give give, um, general manager. But Billy, which one was Billy? (gasps) Billy was the extremely racist. I remember. Hospital bed. He had dark hair. Faked his suicide and got kicked out of Australia for having sex parties during COVID. So Billy Santero was a. He was in DC. His connection to DC. He he worked out of Vita too. I told you about that. Wow. And we just said, go for it. You can be racist and fake your suicide and mm-hmm. just do anything. And you're the bar. But you know oh, what? That's what that's what y'all do in DC, honestly. <laughs> we, we let a lot of bad behavior uh, go away. There there are queens who set the N word at pictures to Aquaria who are still mm-hmm. doing bingos. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So who cares, right? <laughs> I I have to know this too, because I just seen it so much. Tell me about your fascination, your love. Or Gucci, because <laughs> that is like what to That's me is like answer. your signature. She's rich. <laughs> no, it's actually, no, but like you're like, to a brand means you have like a like, like a love for it. Like that means there's something so, in there. So my first love was actually Ferragamo, oh, and it's still Period. Is, <laughs> but but it's very subtle. It's very subtle. So in DC, you can you can get away with it more. Like yeah. it, you know, DC is not very flashy. So no. definitely Ferragamo still has a special place in my heart. But um. Years ago, I was in this relationship where I gave everything to this person I was dating. Like, they lived in Clarendon. They had a dog. I was in Columbia Heights. So I would always have to be at his place because of the dog. Mm-hmm. I would cook. I would go to Whole Foods and prepare these incredible meals for when he came home. And after, like, a year, he, he complained. And I would do my laundry there because I spent all my time there. He complained. My water bill, like, is high. Like, do you mind paying some? Like, you're doing laundry here. You're not like, serious. Do you know how much I fucking spend every time I go to Whole Foods to buy you food and cook for you? Before you take over for Amazon. That's the new Paris, though. So I was like, you know what? <laughs> 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 that is new Paris. No, Makes me go... Oh, Arbor like takes an Amtrak. I take an Amtrak to Silver Spring every day. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> and she will be like, are you paying for this? <laughs> like, I would literally go to Whole Foods 
almost every day and shop fresh. That's very like, excessive. Yes. Um, and after that, I was like, you know what? I need to treat myself. Yeah. I need to treat myself. So Ferragamo was the first brand. And, and, I, and I'm loyal. And maybe it was the timing. They had a lot of great things that popped with color. Yeah. And had a great relationship with some sales associates. Um, Gucci. So I used to shop in New York mostly because I traveled a lot to mm-hmm. New York. And then COVID happened and um, I had to go to the city center store. You know, had a good experience with this twink gay. Hi, Jonathan. Um. Hey, Johnny. What's up? Johnny Rapids? Jonathan oh Rapids? No, Jonathan. Johnny Johnny Rapids? No, not that pedophile. Um, <laughs> Well, remember he was trying to, trying to have that threesome with that fourteen-year-old girl and his. Cause you remember he was like. But he's been forgiven because I just saw him at some the gay mm. piano. No, yeah, his TikTok people, for, people forget. Yeah. People, people forget if you cute. That he's a top now, apparently. Yeah, yeah, which is weird. But I guess bottom is a lot of work for like a long period of time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's yeah. nice rapping. <laughs> So I so I, I like I unique things that are functional also. Like they always try to push like these crazy bad like no, like I need something that fits my laptop. I carry a lot of things. Yeah, that's I, what lo- I, think I love totes. Um, I love color. I love shoes, all types of shoes. Um, yeah, so I think I think people think it's Gucci because it's more flashy. But um Ferragamo is actually Ferragamo. Like, How dare you all? Yeah. What? <laughs> Actually, Ferragamo, not Gucci. I'll never make that mistake ever again. Yeah. And um, I like Saint Laurent. I like Christian yeah. Dior also. Oh, yeah. so I spread the love. Yeah. Okay, okay. Well, Mary, well, fuck, kill. Fashion brands. Oh, I would kill Louis Vuitton. I've had horrible experiences really? in their stores. Um, I was up in New York. I heard they blacklist a lot of people. That's too. so weird. My uh, boyfriend's family is like obsessed with Louis Vuitton. Like everything they give is like everything they have is Vuitton. Everything. Well, the the that monogram canvas is tacky. I think whenever I see one, I, I automatically assume <laughs> that it's fake. If I see like a, I do think that brand is easy I to like replicate keep, a fake one. If I see yeah. that uh, Neverfull, I uh, honestly I think they're all fake, mm-hmm. and a lot of them are. But I remember going to New York and I was like, this is, I'm looking for a tote. These are my requirements. And like, she pulls a folded up tote out of a bag. Folded up. (laughs) I'm like, this is nothing what I asked for. I'm like, all right, I left. And done. Just bad experiences like that. All right, Louis, you're done. Kill. But then I went back another time and I had a great sales associate. And Mm. I got a incredible, like completely orange leather bag, which was great. And I was like, okay, maybe I'll give Louis Vuitton a chance. So there was a store here, and I was like, I didn't want to just walk in cause, and deal with the drama. Right. So I talked to other sales associates. I was like, who do you know there that is not going to, like... Disappoint you. Disappoint me. You know I have... Because I'm very, very picky. I don't like ordering online. So right. with Gucci and Ferragamo, if I see something, they'll get it for me. If it's hard to get, they will fight to get it for me and bring it in. Because then I'll buy it. Like, I, I'm going to buy it. Um, so they gave me a sales associate and I made an appointment with her like a Sunday I show up they're like oh she's busy well like can you wait half an hour half an hour yes. I would have gone after that's a doctor's 10 appointment 10 minutes yeah no. and I was like okay well I'm gonna go shop around um, um, 
texts me like, you know, she's like, an hour goes by. I'm like, I had an appointment. Like, you're turning away a customer that other brands are recommending to you. Yeah. You know. So fuck Louis Vuitton. Yeah, customer uh, service, y'all. Marry, yeah. and then fuck. I would marry Ferragamo. I think they're reliable. They're very reliable. Mm-hmm. Um, fuck is, I feel like Gucci's kinky. Okay. Gucci, yeah, Gucci. Yeah, they have Gucci's the colors. They have the the simple, but also the. So fuck. they also did those butt plug. Jewelry? Oh. Did you see that? Oh yes. Uh, so I it was so, a neck. and that so there was also a ring that they managed to get for me. I haven't mm-hmm. found an occasion to wear it. <laughs> oh, okay, yes. <laughs> I mean, it's it's a pointed. Is it a ring. full plug? You can just like at one point. Just... It's shaped like a. They don't this call it weekend is Mal weekend. So it's Mal weekend. You know the gays are commemorating Mal weekend to Mal weekend. Butt plug and some twink. <laughs> <laughs> love that and we just loved having you here today and we love having you here in house of showfields yes this is an amazing place like i just kept scanning and looking at things and oh my god what am i gonna buy i know we're about to go shopping yes, yes. <laughs> so where can they find you in all the places so you can find me at dc homos on twitter uh snapchat Instagram, okay. Facebook, everywhere. Google me My if face. you want to see what I look like. Well, this is what I look like. Well, but. Air on camera. <laughs> on camera. And then Nunu, where they can find you? At Nunu Paris, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, anywhere that I post. I'm the only Nunu Paris in the world, so Google oh. me too. Yay. And you can always find us at Wait Don't Do It Podcast on TikTok, IG, and now YouTube. Our YouTube is popping lately. Let me tell you. So thank you so much for coming, baby. I am so honored to be here. We, we love it. We love your support, not only just for us, but queer POC in DC and the rest of the world. So we can't wait to see how our friendship and collaboration continues to blossom. Yes. And Cheers. Thank you to Cheers. 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 You know, in the drink. Ah. Cheers. <laughs> and thank you to everyone at Showfields for helping us out for the yes. today's podcast. Come check them out at 30. Mm-hmm. Wait, is it 3077? M Street, Georgetown. Thank you, you, Skyler. <laughs> Bye.